Hello and welcome to the Book of Lee's podcast. My name is Cara and I am your host. Welcome to episode 43, or the very first episode of season 3, but we'll just stick with episode numbers to keep it simple. You're so welcome here, and I'm so happy to be back recording this with you guys. If this is your very first episode, hi, nice to meet you. My name is Cara, and I'm an actor and a tour guide by trade. Obviously, those are all not happening at the moment so I'm working in a supermarket to pay my bills was just there all day today so I'm pretty pooped not gonna lie but yes this is a podcast where I interview people who are doing something good for the planet and we take a leaf from their book hence the name and yeah the environment is just something that I'm really passionate about and I just thought I'd do this as a little hobby. So it's lovely to have you here and I hope you stick around and listen to previous episodes and future episodes. And for all my regular listeners, hi, <laughs> how are you? And it is lovely to to be able to talk to you again. So this episode, we're going to be talking to Carrie-Anne Moran. Carrie-Anne is a just a fashion icon. Um, I'm not a fashionable person. Most people listening to this might know that for nearly all of my podcasts, all I wear is a dressing gown. Well, not all I wear. It's not that kind of show, you guys. But I wear just the same kind of comfortable things all the time. I just, I think living off hand-me-downs, I never really you know, developed a sense of style. But Carrie-Anne, oh my goodness, she has a sense of style and What's even better than that is 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 it's a sustainable style and she's all about the circular economy and loving what you own, mending what you own. So I can't wait for you to hear what she has to say. And she works for Thriftify, which I interviewed Ronan, one of the founders of before. I think it was episode four. He is one of the very first um, episodes and they have just exploded they're doing so great and I have to get them back on the show again soon but Thriftify if you don't know is basically an online platform that allows you to shop from charity shops because charity shops were in Ireland anyway for anyone in America um, you have what's known what I think is known as thrift shops you go in everything is second hand whereas over here 99% of our secondhand shops are all otherwise known as charity shops. Everything goes to charities. But Thriftify basically developed a way that they can sell online. So you go online and you can shop from these charity shops online. How many times do I have to say online? And it gets delivered to you in compostable packaging. It's all about circular economy. They also make sure that the items are priced fairly. But anyway, go listen to episode four if you want to find out more about Thriftify. They also um, are selling fashion and clothes now so definitely check them out um, if you haven't already and Carrie-Anne also is the country coordinator for Fashion Revolution and that is what we're going to be talking about a lot in this episode. So it is Fashion Revolution week this week. There is lots of events on talking about um, garment workers rights and justice and greenwashing in companies. There are circular economy talks, there are sewing workshops you know so I'll link that below but obviously you might be listening to this when it's not fashion revolution week and that's okay because the fashion revolution is an everyday thing every time you get dressed or every time you're looking to purchase a new garment a new piece of clothing you have a choice to participate in the fashion revolution or not. There are lots of issues with the fashion industry from the pollution, the dyes used, the water usage and growing the the fabrics needed, um, the plastics involved, the fossil fuels involved in making those. Oh, there's so much. Then, of course, once you wear it, there's the whole dumping afterwards. But we don't go into that too much here. This is more about the social side of things, which is, of course, the conditions in which workers have to work when they're making our clothes which is often not very good conditions so that's what the fashion revolution is all about having a revolution basically we shouldn't have to stick with the way things are and the pressure that we 
the money people are putting on businesses to change are making all these new sustainable businesses pop up and that's what you want that's the change that we're seeing um there are campaigns and petitions that you can sign and i encourage you to encourage you to sign and i encourage you to just get active in general um every time you get dressed get active (laughs) um i don't really know what that means okay moving swiftly on i'll let carrie ann do the rest of the talking delighted to have you here and if you like this podcast please subscribe please rate it thank you so much to the people who have left a review and rated it so far on apple Podcasts or anywhere that you can do that thank you and yeah i hope it found its way to your eardrums okay because i did change platform recently to acast so hopefully this is i'm not speaking into a void here (laughs) Um, and yeah if you like what you hear you can support this podcast on patreon or on buy me a coffee or on acast now i think god there's so many ways too many ways but yeah if you like what you hear you can do that and as always best thing share it with a friend thank you so much here's carrie talk to you after Marianne, thank you so much for joining me on the Book of Leaves podcast. It is absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. I've been following the podcast for some time. So as I said earlier on, it's so lovely to be on a podcast that I listen to. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much. Um, as we do with all our guests, can you introduce yourself a little bit, where you're from, where you grew up, what you do, that kind of stuff? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, carry on Morin, uh, born and bred in Dublin, from kind of more inner city, moved out to the outskirts of Inglis when I was a wee baba, I suppose. Um, so he was brought from Finglas. And then yeah, went into college career and whatnot from there. So yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. And what did you do in college? Yeah, interestingly enough, I studied law in college um, with a focus on human rights and immigration. So it was always very socially kind of driven, all about social injustice and things like that. So amazing how I changed careers after that uh, study, that period of study into then fashion which was I remember everybody going oh my god what are you doing but actually they merged so well from my professional career then afterwards for that foundation. Yeah and so was fashion something you were always interested in? Yeah, like- yeah I was always very creative I suppose I'm not saying I was great at fashion by any <laughs> means but like no I just I was very creative I, was, I, I love clothes huge interest in clothes my mother taught me to sew when I was very young so we come from a family of basically upcyclers before that term was ever coined Deadly. yeah so I was taught to sew at like I think it was 12 13 or something like that so I was altering my own clothes adding patches you know really kind of making my own kind of uniqueness on clothing and um, but going bargain based diving in the round temple bar when there was so much treasure to find and all the amazing vintage stores back in the early 90s I suppose and bringing stuff home for like I think it was like I remember one time getting three items for a pound and an eager beaver um, and bring them home and changing them all up and stuff like that for my own kind of little looks so yeah so it was amazing that I turned that into a career somehow yeah that is absolutely class that's so cool and like were you and your family doing that out of kind of like a fun hobby but also to save some money or were you aware you probably weren't aware of the waste then at that point or anything were you yeah like I think it comes from an element of like my parents are very waste not white not you know we like Dublin in the 80s was very very tough um on a lot of families um and we were one of those families so you know, we we really truly valued, and I suppose one thing I got from my parents were really truly valued stuff. You know, one of my earliest memories is my dad finding this old vintage um like Edwardian style fireplace surround and bringing that home. And my mother was just like, Oh my god, Pat. And he was like, trust me, trust me. So off I went down to the shed and it is sitting in the back room of our house now, uh, Pride of Place. He restored it all back to its original. And I think he paid a pound for it or something at the time. Oh my God. So yeah, so like that was just very embedded with us. But to be honest, if like my parents weren't doing it, I suppose, from an environmental perspective, you know, they were doing it um, as needs kind of be, but they also loved having that unique kind of elements to things as well so I certainly caught that off them (laughs) that's brilliant yeah that's so amazing so at what point um because I know obviously you've you've always had an interest in the social aspect of stuff but there's also 
the environmental side of things as well and was there a point in your life that that triggered or were you always just kind of interested in it yeah like I, I certainly was my own personal interests and um, really kind of gained traction in my teenage years we didn't I remember like we didn't have recycling bins and um, we just had this one bin in our household and that was like for I don't all households in and around the area at the time recycling just wasn't a thing um, and I used to break my dad's heart because I remember I remember actually very vividly I think it was after my junior cert all the notes that you had and that you weren't going to keep and stuff like that it's like no 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 we have to go to recycling center and get rid of these so you know because it's the right thing to do and waste not why not type of thing and he'd be like okay off we go you know type of thing and just started like getting those kind of I suppose regular things happening in our house so, so yeah just I, like I suppose it's one thing I've always been very conscious of environmental impact and um, from a very early age and um, not very I suppose on a huge impact way but just on smaller kind of things and yeah it just kind of built from there I suppose. And then what happened that you s- uh, switched careers then into fast fashion was there something yeah like well, I suppose I, I switched careers because I just thought to myself I'd love to try something creative and I thought I'll go and I'll do fashion I'll do fashion design and it would be just so glamorous and you know I just had like I, I think I was 21 22 at the time so um I was like it'd be amazing and I went in and I can safely say I would do my law degree 10 times over before doing my fashion <sighs> career it was so hard <laughs> it was really really tough but it was actually when I was studying fashion I became um an eco fashion designer again sustainable fashion design wasn't really kind of you know ter- terminology like we're going back oh I've gone back a 16, 17 years now um, when this was all happening. So, so yeah, it was actually when I was in college, I think in around my second year, I just, I used to basically make all of my collections and my clothes from um, off cuts and the line. I got to charity shops. I buy roll of fabric. So I had a studio um, in uh, Francis Street and it was actually a big the big Oxfine home up there and they used to get in look because there used to be loads of textile factories in the area and they had rolled and rolled of all these old remnant fabrics and stuff oh, so to me that was just like oh my god like again uniqueness saving stuff I had no idea about the impact of textiles of fashion at that moment in time but it, it my my kind of process started to really kind of gauge into more of a I had a zero waste mindset, like I wouldn't let any of my scraps go to waste. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of developed from there. And one, I remember the moment in college, like in a, a room where all of our kind of scraps and stuff would all be going into the bin. And I'd be just like, surely we can do something better with this. Like this, like look, you know, looking at all people's ends of bits and all. I'm like, and we're just going to throw this away. This is madness. Like, this has been made by somebody like you know we just throw this away it's like no no that can't be right and that actually was the moment where I really started looking into the impacts of how textiles were made and and then more so the waste side of it as well and that that really kind of kicked my sustainability area um of of yeah of fashion and I graduated with um my collection was I think 80 odd percent reclaimed materials and Then I think it was in my final year in college, the Rediscovery Centre were looking for somebody that had this idea of a fashion programme similar to their, I suppose, furniture programme. And yeah, that's that's when my career kind of really started to take off in 2008 that was yeah that's deadly yeah for anyone listening who might not know the rediscovery center is like a circular economy hub in Ballybone in Dublin and it's such a they've got like an eco shop they do bike repairs they do fern like furniture upcycling and then they like yeah I've I've been in there and I've seen some of the clothes so I don't know if you were maybe behind them as well that's that's class yeah so I spent 12 years working with the rediscovery center up until a year and a half ago um which was just an absolutely phenomenal experience to see what the center I call it the center now but like the Barla house in itself like that is reclaimed and reused like the ethos of everything so yeah so look as, as I said I spent 12 years running the fashion department being part of the, the bigger team there 
and just my heart's so full of pride to see them like see all the stuff that they do and, and what they're doing in that space like it's just phenomenal it, it really is and they're still doing they've got some things I think online every now and again if people want to like check them out but yeah I can't wait for for things to open again and if anyone hasn't been there like it's it's one of the visions such a clear vision of the future you want to create you know when you go like we hear of the supermarkets in in um I don't know in Sweden where you go in and everything's like repaired or a second hand or whatever and this is like an, a small scale well not, not not that small but like an Irish example in Dublin and um, we have it on our doorstep so it's such a treasure absolutely it's a circular economy in action yeah yeah to see it like is really really cool it is possible um so definitely check that out if anyone hasn't already can't wait for everything to open up oh my god but um so you are all you're also part of of course uh the fashion revolution team in ireland so what is fashion revolution all about sure so yes i'm the country coordinator and three years of fashion revolution ireland so it's the irish kind of leg to the big fashion revolution campaign. So for those who aren't aware of what fashion revolution is, it was, um, I suppose, born out of the Rana Plaza disaster that happened nearly eight years ago. The Rana Plaza disaster was a building that collapsed in in Bangladesh and over 1,100 people were killed. Um, The sad thing about that is it wasn't the first building to collapse and it hasn't been the last building to collapse. But I suppose why Fashion Revolution was born, it was born in the couple of months proceed after that by Ursula de Castro and Carrie Summers. And it was their kind of stand up to say, you know what, enough is enough. Um, we need to start bringing visibility as to what is going on here in the fashion industry. So in these kind of hubs and in this area within Bangladesh, there are all these buildings um, that are producing fast fashion brands. So the really sad side was that after this building collapsed, what you could see in the rubble was the brands that were being made, the high street brands to like from an Irish European that we, we buy on the Irish high street and across Europe and even on a global scale. Their brand, so their brands were being made there and there was absolutely no accountability for, for that um, and for those people that perish and those people perish because that building collapsed due to poor health and safety standards within that building. And it just really resonates that there's a human cost to fast fashion and and that's why fashion revolution was born it was to bring that visibility and transparency to it so yeah so every year it does a week long of campaigns um, and we're into the eighth year now obviously things have changed massively this year you know from an Irish perspective I think in my first year of fashion revolution we had like 45 to 50 events happen across Ireland this year we're having a bit of a smaller um, event and I can talk about that later on but yeah, so we, we also theme the year. So this year we're looking at rights, relationship and revolution. And to me, like when I when this kind of when the brand pack came out on this, I was like, this is really going back to basics, you know, of, of why fashion revolution was born. I think COVID last year, you know, if people aren't aware of the pay up campaign, that massive global pay up campaign that was announced, um, I suppose, two, three months, you know, into the global pandemic. The sad thing was that brands once again had placed orders with factories they and weren't going to pay for it because their doors closed. So again, shine a light on poor regulation across the value chain. And unfortunately, what happened was the people that are suffering at the end of the value chain are the hands that are making these clothes. And they are now being pushed further into into the poverty line, below the poverty line, I should say, um, because brands weren't paying up so I think that's why fashion revolutions come back to that kind of basics and that interconnection of the relationship of human rights um, and why we need why we need a fashion revolution as such yeah and these I remember that last year there was um as you said some high street brand that all of their clothes were just sitting in in a warehouse or in a factory somewhere half made or fully made and because all the shops were shut down they couldn't be sold um my housemate works for a fast fashion company and uh, it's just mad to think that when you know they closed in March and reopened in July or August or whatever that all of that stuff would have been out of date like I work in a supermarket now 
Like, yeah, right, okay, all the food, groceries, that would be gone after three or four months. But I think that there's a whole out-of-date thing yeah. in it, in a clothes. Like, so there's two things there. There's obviously the horrible thing that they're not, um, you know, following through and making sure that the, the people who need the help, you know, and need, need their, their wages, they should obviously ensure that. But there's also then the mindset of why can't these clothes be sold a couple of months down the line oh we've been conditioned to these trends and we've been conditioned to this oh my god it's three months old it's out of season it's so last year type of thing you know and um I love just so many amazing conversations floating about at the moment about bringing our relationship back with clothing and you know really valuing clothing and the people that make it and how you look after and how you care for them and you pass it on you know so it I, I just find that so enlightening over the last you know year to two years of these conversations coming back which is amazing but you're absolutely right you know we to think that clothes can go out of date is just really sums up what is one of the fundamental things that's wrong yeah. fashion industry you know clothes don't go out of date you know it's mad um so yeah so for that and that's kind of what was justified with that campaign I suppose it's yeah yeah again it's just what it does fashion industry that drives me absolutely bananas um um so what is the event though that you mentioned that we'd be yeah, you'd be doing for Fashion Revolution Week this so year. Hopefully, we have some fantastic events, and we're just getting some final, some final kind of tweaks on things. So we are doing um a big event with new wardrobes. So we're doing a big clothing swap on the Thursday. So we're gonna have brands and influencers uh kind of aligned in on that, and there'll be a panel talk on that as well. We're doing a screening of Textile Mountain. If you if people haven't watched it and um, it was released last year I was part of the process of that I worked with Katrina Rogerson and the IEN on that project and it really just bring, highlights uh, textile waste where it goes the impact that it has um, and just it's so well executed so we're having a screen and then a talk around that and um, we have a UCD event what else we have a hackathon um, happening with Sophie from What the Hack so that's a really fantastic uh, event that's going to be kicking off pre it's going to be kicking off next weekend so pre the fashion revolution week so it's kind of a campaign um where, where groups are going to be involved and come up with some really cool kind of messaging for fashion revolution so i'll be judging that as well um yeah so it's a good few panels and talks in total again it's a much smaller scale but unfortunately like a lot of our, we would have always hosted kind of a lot of workshops across Ireland. And um, one of my key, like when I came in, when I took over the country coordinator role was to make sure we were reaching parts of Ireland that hadn't been reached before. And it was so, it was beautiful to see that year that some community groups are coming together. Um, and people always say to me, you know, oh, like we can't host an event or we can't put a workshop on. What can we do? And I say, don't don't ever underestimate the power of a conversation. So even if you have a coffee morning, which we could now have coffee mornings now and just, you know, have discussions around that because you pick up something that you will converse with somebody else with. And, you know, this power of translation will continue to grow like so. Um, so, yeah, so. There's a few bits happening. Absolutely. It's not to the scale that, you know, we would have had in the past, but the content is amazing. I'm so excited to see it. You know, Fashion Revolution last year really, really suffered because April was subsequently just directly, you know, after March and everybody was like, what do we do? How do we do it? So look, it did really suffer. Um, so it's nice to come back this year with some really nice events. So yeah, for anybody that's listening and wants to either get involved or come to one of our events, everything's up on Instagram at the moment. And if you go on to the main Fashion Revolution page, our events are all uh, localized over Ireland as well. So we're sharing all that. So yeah, so if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook and the usual, the usual hubs, yeah. you'll be that's deadly I'll link the events um in the show notes as well and I know it is harder to not have the in-person buzz but uh, the one good thing about like online events is that so many more people can kind of come to them or you know people who might not want to drive an hour somewhere can just hop on their computer in a way so hopefully there'll be some new faces there 
There is a way on your on the website that you can kind of be involved with the fashion revolution depending if you're like a retailer or a citizen or whatever. So can you tell us a bit about that, what that's about? Because this is also not just one week. It's a kind of year-long, forever-long thing. Absolutely. So if you go on the Fashion Revolution, fashionrevolution.org um, is the main, it's the main website, uh, obviously for Fashion Revolution. I'm actually looking at it here while we're talking. Uh, you can view all the resources. So there's even information packs for schools and stuff and by certain age ranges. There's a student ambassador program for second level, third level education. Like the amount of resources on here is, is absolutely um, quite ex- extensive. So, yeah, so whether you're a citizen, a brand, a retailer, producer, part of a union, educator, a journalist, there's something there for you to take part. Um, and don't, as I say, don't underestimate the power of your voice. And, and you can use that across social media, because one of the key things that we found was we had up to 250 million people engage with the Fashion Revolution campaign by our online presence alone a couple of years ago that's amazing yeah like we have we have presence in I don't know how many countries now at the moment um so there is little hubs everywhere of fashion revolution so you know this power is just phenomenal because we would have part of the campaign that was was started was hashtag who made my clothes that and every year there's kind of a di- other hashtags as well but that was the key one so millions and millions of people engage with that every year uh, for fashion revolution week but then also in other power powerful actions that people are taking um one of our rarity campaigns was was to take a picture of the brand that you were wearing put it up on social media on one of the platforms and tag the brand and hashtag who made my clothes on it and we actually found like if you're a brand and you're getting 70 to 80 to 100,000 hits across social media, people asking about who made my clothes and wanting more questions, they they started to, you know, come back. You know, they started to look at their own internal behaviors and transparency and, you know, question them internally. So, um, as I say, don't ever underestimate what your small action can do, because collectively, this is the whole idea of fashion revolution, is that it's collective, it's collaborative, it's all of these hashtags aligning, it's all of our voices aligning and using it for good and for the better and um, for that big revolution that we're working toward. Amazing. That's so amazing. Have you seen brands take or begin to take any of these Big or small steps, it's a hard fight. Absolutely. Look, I think when we look at smaller brands, I think the reality is brands that are being born in the last couple of years are doing so with the right reasons, which is good because the the information is there now. Like 10 to 12 years ago, we did not really have the information that we do have now about the environmental impacts and the societal impacts of the fashion industry. So it's great to see newer, younger brands that are born are aligning and are being transparent with that. And it is starting to become the norm. However, what we see and what we know of is the bigger brands the bigger guys in this kind of fast fashion uh, world, they are making changes. However, the reality is if you are still at the center of mass consumption, can you ever really be sustainable? And with, I think, a massive recent campaign that came out by a brand with loads of amazing credentials about their sustainability side. However, they didn't give one recognition to the human costs or to the people that were making the clothes and the true like the true meaning of sustainability is to ensure both an environmental and a socially justice aspect to it um so you can't just have these eco credentials and not and be paying and not looking after the people that are making the clothes or the teams behind it so you know a lot of questions to be asked there yeah no that's it's so that you cannot be like ego-friendly if you're not it needs to be human friendly too you know (laughs) the two are so interlinked so people might be listening to this going "Um, is this exactly about you know pollution I'm like well no it's all linked though it's all so important huge like it's you look it's a huge area and I know people 
get confused like you know find it daunting get overwhelmed I always have uh, new designers coming into the area contact me because they, they they're it's so much to take in you know to breed how can I be part of this how can I do this you know and I say look it is absolutely daunting um but if you align your environment, you know, if you're in business for the right reason, you know, I don't think, I think there was a podcast I listened to reason, like it's okay to make money if you're in business for the right reason and you're using that money for good, okay? And, um, you know, so, you know, in a, in a way, don't be feeling bad about making money. Like we do need money to actually survive on as well. But, you know, make sure you do have those credentials on both sides from the environmental and the societal side of it um, and be transparent in your conversations and your actions from that. Yeah, so transparency... Yeah, like transfer. Okay, so that big campaign, you know, that where I think we're all very aware of that hit the screens in the last week or two. Great to see that happening. An element, oh, and people go, isn't that just brilliant? They're doing whatever. As I said, they had no recognition for the people that are making it. They had no comments on we're now a living wage manufacturer. We now insure X in our thing, you know. To put no light on that means they're not being transparent in that area. Um, so brands that say, you know, transparency is from the value across the whole value chain and you need true transparency. So I need to know when I go in and buy a product that the, the company is giving me full information right back to where that material was made, how that was made, the credentials of that material, the people that made that, how that was shipped, how that was delivered. You know what I mean? Like it's the whole value chain we need to have transparency on because it's huge and it, look, it's complex. Absolutely. Like, but brands need to be saying, this is where we source from. This is how we source. This is what it's made from. These are the people that make it. These are the, the rights that we have in place for the team that make this. This We are a living wage, above living wage employer. Living wage is different to every region across the world in every area. But living wage is a minimum standard. I think we all really need to unite on because minimum wage just doesn't cut it anymore living wage is the only way forward for people to come out of poverty um, and unfortunately millions of people are below the poverty line due to the fast fashion industry you know earning absolute pittance for making those clothes and we need to go or those people are worth more and the clothes are worth more than that yeah and there's a big gender imbalance as well isn't there like it's mostly women like fast fashion is a huge like I think it's up to eight percent of women work in the fast fashion industry making the clothes very small percentage when you actually look at the like the demograph on it actually making it to any sort of management within any of these factories as well so it's very imbalanced across that because mm. big brands how do they some of them kind of deflect responsibility don't they when they're outsourcing how how do they try get around you know oh, well, you know, we're paying this factory and this factory says they're doing a good job. Look, you know, this is where legislation and regulation really comes into play and people find loopholes in it. And, you know, one investigation alone would find one organization this is where they go well look we didn't know and we didn't know because we have this contract in place with xyz um, and they're producing this but that factory then usually subcontracts out but their liability stops with that contract with that uh, factory that they and they go no 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 so they they don't take any ownership or liability on the subcontract subcontracting out what brands need to be doing is making sure the factories that they're working with they're only working with that there's no subcontracts and that behavior isn't going on but unfortunately that isn't what's actually happening yeah in the majority of cases yeah they need to like go all the way to the very start of things yeah 
hopefully there will be some legislation in future. Is there anything in Irish politics about fashion that have come up recently or anything? I think, you know, a big who, like I was part of the advisory committee for the National Waste Action Plan. Um, oh, last cool. year. So I don't know if you saw, but fashion and textiles were a huge part of that and it's the first time it's really ever been scoped at such a policy level so that will be coming to light and the driving force behind that unfortunately is not from an Irish perspective it's from a European perspective we do have legislation coming into place on the 1st of January 2025 um, about collection and sorting of textiles and um, because we are a huge player in that area for textile waste um, in a, on a European level and yeah Europe now has new policy coming in so we need to transpose that to an Irish level but we don't just need to transpose it we now need to look at the scope of that and um, so there is a research project happening at the moment about how and what that could possibly look like and who should be involved so commercial charity retail households is a lot of big players in this area you know a lot of big sections um of of textiles being reused or recycled and making sure it is efficiently done what we hope to come out of that is more of an educational awareness piece of that because i think that's a huge huge thing that's not actually being addressed in Ireland about the impacts of textile waste um, and how much we're producing, where it's going, what it's doing. Um, I think that research is going to be up next year and then there will be actions from that then as well. Deadly. That's good. Yeah, because as education, I think if you have to go looking for this information, you know, some people will just be put off completely and they won't ever find out now. Um, and Kamir, if people, you know, while brands haven't got adequate uh, transparency and there's not workers rights or workers justice should people boycott or what should they do because obviously people don't want to be out of work either so what is the best kind of approach yeah that's a really 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 good question because you can say and I definitely would have been part you know even in my own mind mind uh, process kind of years ago I would have said you know buy cop brands you know don't buy from them blah 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 blah. but the reality is people are suffering at the end you know people are it's, it's a really it's a difficult one to kind of advise on um but instead of boycotting go to brands that are doing the right thing you know, go to brands that offer sustainable and ethical goods, you know, and look on their website and just double check, you know, what what their credentials are sitting. And if you're not happy with it, email them in, you know, again, bang, you know, bang those emails into these brands. They need to be asked these questions. Um, and again, power and numbers, the more people that do that, the more they will internally say, OK, we're being asked on this. We need to start responding or we need to start looking. And it does start to go up. Those conversations do start to flow from, from upwards. Um, so, yeah, look, it's I think if you are sustainably or and socially driven, um, you probably wouldn't be buying from those companies anyways. So, you know, the transition is how do you transition from that kind of fast fashion mindset into more of a sustainable way and I think Pray Loved can really offer that kind of bridge initially before you know you're standing on what you should who you should be kind of aligning and what you should be kind of following and stuff so yeah. um I think that's a nice way to venture into more of a sustainable sustainable area in the fashion world as such yeah and there's loads of places like obviously Depop um is after exploding and of course in Ireland unfortunately while our charity shops are closed there is of course thriftify which you're also working with now i got my little um chanel-esque coat uh, from thriftify it's pink suit so it's my little kind of uh coat that i'm wearing on all my zoom meetings now amazing you are marge simpson's chanel pre-loved embodified oh my god i love it (laughs) yeah yeah and like terrific again they're so they're so well driven look i i work for them now absolutely so i'm doing this massive shameless plug here but you know there's a reason why i work with them that they're in business for the right reason and they are helping so many charities raise vital funds 
in these really, really bad times uh, by buying, by being able to sell their goods online um, with us. So, yeah, so it's such a great source. You know, I've, I was a huge fan of Thriftify before I joined with them. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd love them even if my cousin wasn't one of the creators behind it. Also biased here, but <laughs> but no, Ronan and the team are so good. Um, have you got any kind of general tips for people for kind of being more eco and socially friendly when it comes to fashion that you yourself follow? Like you sound like the dream queen of obviously buying secondhand and repairing. Have you got any other kind of tips? You know, it's it's kind of it's partly who I am. You you know, being a, like I've always like my early memories are going around markets as a kid and with my parents and fine and like what I call treasure like being going into sort of like going into a shop that had all the same clothes and it never really appealed to me I used to be just like you're gonna end up looking like everybody else like so I always was that kind of way like going around mother red caps and you know really old markets uh, really fantastic memories for me so markets were look always going to be my huge source of findings and um, but unfortunately they are closed but what I say to people is as I mentioned earlier on the bridge into more sustainable kind of living with fashion is absolutely to buy pre-loved is that bridge into it and it's that kind of safety net of you know you're buying pre-loved you're saving and reducing environmental impact of new goods but really care for what you have really own what you have really kind of nurture the wardrobe that you do own I'm not a minimalist by any means far from it and I love like I, I love Emma Gleason's book that she brought out recently you know um, and I'm definitely not a minimalist but I truly value things in my wardrobe like I have pieces in there that have so many good memories for me and hold so many good memories but they I get they get worn. Oh, they do get worn over and over again. Um, so I've I bring outfits back that maybe I, yeah, I haven't worn in a couple of years, but you know, if and when we can start to go out again, um, they get rotated. Big events, I've cooked good few dresses that get rotated for events or any kind of formal wear, thing like that, change up the accessories on it, care for your clothes, mend them, upcycle them, swap. That's such a great thing. My sister's always passing things on to me. I'll pass things on as well. You know, if I'm looking at stuff and I go, do you know what? I think my time is done with that piece. It's time to go. My vintage piece, I generally do keep on to. Um, But uh, yeah, so and then swapping them on, having your own kind of, I suppose, clothes swap within your friends. But uh, yeah, if you're buying new, you know, do look for brands that are, are doing the right thing. Um, I know actually Pat from Reuse, he put up a really great resource the other day of loads of Irish brands and broken them down to women's wear, to children's wear. There's so many, there's people that I didn't hear of before, but I was like, and she has it saved um, in her stories and I've shared it to other people as well. I'm like, this is such a phenomenal resource. So well done, Pat. You're making that yeah. so much easier uh, for people to to purchase from and to purchase Irish and ethically and stuff like that. Because obviously Pat's done her research and knows her stuff. So, um, so yeah, so I definitely advise people to go on to, to Pat's page and follow like, you know, you got to like the useless project, another fantastic resource of all things sustainable. They're just like a breath of fresh air. They bring so much fun into the whole space and just give so much light to the right, right movements that are happening. They're movement in themselves, but they're bringing the movement in Ireland and bringing light onto that. Um, and they're like, I'm being influenced by all these amazing people online. I'm not a big social media person by any means, but um yeah I love following these people because they're just bringing new new things into it as well yeah there can definitely be um you might you might be stuck in like an echo chamber from time to time but you can learn so much if you tailor your feed to suit you social media can really be a tool like that's obviously it's been a huge way of how we connected this past year but it's how I've learned about most social and environmental issues so yeah just make sure you're you have a diverse group of people and businesses that you're following one key thing I always kind of said to people is don't be like there's no need to be following trends I think this mindset that like we have been 
going back to something we were talking about earlier on, you know, clothes going out of date and this trend driven kind of concept like that needs to go. Like that is just nuts. That needs to go in the bin. Yeah, that needs to be massively <laughs> dropped into the black bin. <laughs> but, you know, we can only wear florals in February, March of 2000, you know, whatever. You're just going, oh, I can't wear that because that was last season. That's right break away from the mold you know create your own style your own trend um, and don't like you know because we've just we've been taught that this is the way it should be when actually it never really was like you know look at subcultures and how they all came about they came out from uniqueness and look at all the amazing things that came out of that you know and I love I do love to see there's so many other kind of new subcultures coming out um but break from the mold and don't be afraid to be your own style and create your own trend yeah you know there should be no kind of rules around saying well I, and I'm the most least fashionable person like I literally wear the same <laughs> dressing gown every single day but I just I wear what's like whatever's comfortable um and yeah. is for the last year <laughs> oh definitely loungewear has skyrocketed um and that's something I'll definitely be keeping in my life forever but um, so I've started doing, you might not have heard, obviously, because season three is yet to be out, but I'm doing a new thing this season of some quick fire questions at the end, where you basically pick a letter between A and Z, and there is a random question. Now, some of them are eco kind of related, but they don't have to be at all. But there's one question I want to actually make sure that you're asked, and that is what is your favorite um, secondhand find? Could be vintage or what you're allowed one clothes and one non-clothes item. Okay, uh, I got this pink you you'll see it I think I'm wearing it in any picture of Instagram on the last year I basically have it on and um, but it's this really cerise pink full length wool coat that I bought I bought it in the Nabel Ireland in Fisber um I think it was like 10 or 12 euro and I put it on me in the shop and it was just like oh my god we're meant to be this is this is, this is me in a coat like so I wear it all the time everybody knows me as the woman in the pink coat going around better. um that's my favorite thing uh, of recent years that I found so that's just one I could go into a list absolutely um and then one non-fashion item actually do you know what you can probably see here I have this pink vintage wardrobe oh I thought it was a wall painted pink with like a thing hanging up okay and do you know I got this for free from somebody up the road in Dublin 7 a friend of mine tagged it in and said you need this in your life and I was like I need that in my life 100% so off I went got it in the back of a van brought it home the funny story when I went up to the, the couple that I picked it off was basically it was for her daughter's bedroom her daughter's a teenager now and she just you know it just wasn't for her anymore whatever like I'm taking it happy days but it was actually painted in the rediscovery center the minute I saw it I recognized it because I remember the furniture manager at the time and we're going back eight years I think um when this was done in the rediscovery center because the minute I saw it, I went where did you did you get this done and she's like yeah it's like the rediscovery center yeah I remember this I worked there I worked in the fashion department and this is like how amazing I remember known it to me and I fell in love with it and I remember going oh it's a pink wardrobe I love pink by the way um if you haven't guessed Uh, (laughs) um and it's now that what a story like destined to be that is I'm that I'm actually emotional thinking about you being reunited with this wardrobe like meant to be but that's so fab. Okay, so we'll pick a few questions before we go. Can you give me your first letter? Uh, C. C. One request you'd make of your younger self. Oh, oh. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, uh, next letter. W. W, if you could live as an animal, what would it be? Oh, oh, what would it be? I love penguins. Um, I love, yeah, penguins would be one of my favourite animals. Uh, love penguins. I love, is it the empirical penguin where they, they mate for life? Yeah. I just love everything about them. The little walk and just the way they go on. They're gas. 
my childhood was filled with David Attenborough documentaries (laughs) brilliant oh my god I love it Um, okay we'll do uh, two more so give us another letter Uh, let's go Z Z Um, three things you'd bring to a desert island ooh book music food <laughs> I'll, I'll pick the broadest categories to cover all of my a back. Book, a book, right? So yeah, simplify that, right? Uh, definitely a book. What book? Could, oh god, what book could I read over and over again? Um, I'd probably be, bring. Let's see. Uh, I have like the William Shakespeare book. With I have a book that says which literally has all the sonnets, all of it, yeah, all, everything in it. So you know, there's endless reading in there. Um, so yeah, so we'd bring that book. I would resurrect an old iPod and make sure everything's on it so you'll have all the music so that's one item in theory and then food I think I just survive on chocolate to be honest I get the good stuff from the island yeah yeah (laughs) hopefully there'll be coconuts or a coca bean tree and you can make your own chocolate yeah (laughs) and last letter I I best plant-based meal you've ever had Ooh homemade or takeout let's go for one of each okay um let's see oh one is gonna be tough one but a hangover it's gotta be probably the vegan sandwich company yeah um, bold delicious you know just hits the spot it hits spot anytime but it gives you that really dirty plant-based vegan food with a hangover um and then homemade I make a really good dal. Like I have to be honest, it's one of my favorite meals. I make a really good dal. I eat, I eat mostly plant based. Um, anyways, so yeah, probably a good good curry. Really, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Yeah, with a good curry, and I do make a good dal, which I'm actually going to make at the weekend. Pretty good, excellent. Well, carry on. You have imparted a lot of wisdom and inspiration to uh, not only contact brands and get involved with the fashion revolution but to get everyone thinking about having a doll for dinner thank you so so much for giving me your time on this friday it's been brilliant thanks so much and just like that the first of probably 21 or two chats that i'm gonna have this year is over and i hope you found carrie as charismatic and charming and just lovely as i did you can follow her on instagram but make sure you follow fashion revolution there's also a page for ireland and i've linked all of that and i love the way that fashion revolution is all about reaching the places that haven't typically been reached so getting in to the rural parts of the world and the rural parts of Ireland everything when it comes to sustain when it comes to sustainability and you know eco-friendly living it is nearly always you know Dublin based but the smaller towns and the smaller villages and the rural places they do get overlooked an awful lot and it's there more than ever that we need to bring the climate conversations and social justice conversations into the mix so yeah if you want to host a virtual chats over what you call it hi there's my housemate coming home (laughs) if you want to host a virtual coffee morning while you're chatting about you know circular economy and fashion and what you can do absolutely do that like Ariane said words have power and you never ever know what your impact will be and as I love to say the ripple effect that you'll have so uh, that is it for this week stay tuned in two weeks time I will be interviewing Zach Lumley Zach is an activist with Extinction Rebellion System Change Ireland and Scientist Rebellion and was recently imprisoned for um, a day or two for a vandalism action that he filmed in in uh, Dublin so I'm going to talk to him about why he did that I'll be asking him the hard questions haven't interviewed him yet actually I'll be doing that um, tomorrow but yeah so stay tuned for that we're going to talk about the place of disruption um, and civil disobedience in the climate justice what does it do why does it belong here are there better ways so yeah thank you so much for listening don't forget to share it with a friend rate review subscribe and yeah just 
pat yourself on the back for making it this far. And if anyone knows any hairdressers on the sly, please (laughs) send them my way. I am sitting on my hair. Oh my God. (laughs) I will talk to you soon, guys. Woo! Good to be back. Bye.